I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Junk Time Alpha Podcast Special Interview Edition. We're coming to you from Sydney's Rod Carter Studios. My name is Michael Chamberlain and joining me is the lovely Adam Rosenbach. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I've, uh, I've made a very, a very special uh, attempt. Uh, I've put in the effort. I've come up to Rod Carter Studios. Had to travel. I love what you've done <laughs> with the place. It's an away game, mate. <laughs> I'm not used to an away podcast. We... um. Have a very special guest, Adam. Often we interview people, the likes of Juddy and let me think, Brownie. Yeah. Um, and also we like to tackle people who kind of worked in the um, inner sanctum of the game. Mm. And Heroes. tonight we have a very special guest, actually. Just one of those players who played a handful of games and mm. then disappeared into obscurity forever. And we've been trying to get him for a few years, and he's been ducking us, hasn't he? Doesn't we've, want to answer the hard questions. We put in the request, and he, uh, we finally got hold of him. And it's very exciting to welcome to the to the Junk Time Podcast. Ryan Fitzgerald. Fitzy! It's an absolute pleasure to be here, boys. Thanks for having me. And uh, you've been ducking. Apologies for that. Ducking like a good pre-season, like I did back in the day. But um, I finally got on. I've been meaning to get on in Melbourne, but you've made the effort to come all the way up here just Mm. for me, and I really do appreciate it, guys. Do you still think of yourself as a footballer? Um, I'm, do you still look, wander into clubs and try and get a drink card? Do you know, <laughs> I had I had a gold card in Joplin's in Adelaide at the Newmarket. Do hey, you remember Heaven Nightclub? Did you boys ever go to Heaven Nightclub? I remember Heaven Nightclub. It was massive in Adelaide. East Terrace, is that right? Yep. Yeah. And Tony Modra had a roped off area to himself. Dude. Was that to save everyone else from Tony Modra? It was just <laughs> astounding. And I can remember as a young fella, and the girls that used to hang around that roped off area, it was unbelievable. But um. No, I d- look. Heaven Nightclub had uh, <laughs> had metal detectors, didn't it? Yes, they did. Which is a sign of a good nightclub <laughs> to know that you're going to be safe. I only, when you're go- in there. I only go into clubs <laughs> that have metal detectors out the front. Yeah, well, the, the metal detectors were installed when there was numerous sta- stabbings on a Saturday night. Was that a bikey hangout, Heaven Nightclub? Uh, look, I think they rocked up every now and then. Sure, it, sure. It's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know with the bikies in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. I know Mark Rusciuto's got a, quite a few pubs in Adelaide. Yep. Oh, I was wondering where that was let's, going. Let's link Mark Rusciuto to <laughs> yeah, so the bikies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, he's yeah. ahead of the things. Uh, no. <laughs> No, well, I think no. Well, Rue over the years did actually have to form a relationship with a couple of the heads of them and just say, "Look, is it okay if you look after my pubs?" You, I think anyone who owns a pub had to do that in Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, the rules of the Raptor Force has come in now, and it's uh, they've clamped down now. But in Adelaide, it was out of control ten years ago. Is that how you get your ratings for Nova in Sydney? <laughs> you send the bikies around to people with. Uh... Do you send Rue around? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Rue, and he just threatens people that he's going to shirt front them like he did Dean <laughs> Kemp that day against West Coast. Oh, my Lord. That was the best bump of all time. It was fantastic. It was it? horrific. How many weeks do you reckon Rue would get that for now, these days? Uh, that'd be six, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, straight to the tribunal. Six years? Yeah, yeah. 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 Chris o would not be happy. No, he'd have to take, he'd have to get away from his amateur game on the Saturday from yeah. abusing the umpires at his daughter's game yeah. and then come out and give Rue six weeks for that. Um, but, you know, I do... I do like to consider myself a footballer, Rosie, but now with my shtick and what I do in media, you know, obviously it's all self-deprecating and I pump up my debut <laughs> game and I do all that. But, you know, like I, I know, I only got to play 18 games, but you know what? It was just a dream to actually get that opportunity. So I do I do find it hard. At Nova now we have Jonathan Brown in Melbourne. Yeah. And when I'm talking to Brownie, I sort of, like people sort of put us in the same category and, <laughs> and you don't know how good that makes me feel. Well, after one game, your stats are probably better than his. Oh, it was, oh, well, that, that was the thing. I mean, that debut game was just, it was unbelievable. I, you know, and it was all a blur. I can't even remember much from the night, but it's just... Come on, just how, how many lived... times have you, watched, have you watched that game? You know what? I, I Just recently, and I was really... I spoke to my wife about this the other day. I, I've been really shattered, and I said to her, why haven't you ever asked me if you wanted to watch the game? 
<laughs> like you know what? We've been yeah. married ten years you now. You know the story. You, you know what? And you know you've I've told, and I know it's a joke, and you know I take the piss out of myself, but. Honestly, are you are you not interested at all about how at some of those goals and and the difficulty of them and how well I did that day? And to clarify, you kicked five goals on debut. Yes, yes, yes. five straight. Five. Yeah, I did. No, it's, yeah, and my first three kicks in AFL football were goals. Oh, Rosie. part of an elite club, my yeah. friend. Is that yeah. a, is that a record? Who, has anyone else done that? I think I think it has been done a few times. Okay. Guys like Scott. Well, Scotty Cummings kicked like that eight goals in his debut game. Kicked eight in debut. Uh, Warren Ralph kicked nine on debut. The, and Coleman kicked twelve. The, the unbelievable. 12. Yeah. twelve in his debut game. Yeah. But yeah, I and the funny thing was, so you were pretty shit in comparison. What? Well, <laughs> <that laughs> only five. But but it does get me in the footy. Almanac every year. So my name's in there every single year, which I'm just pumped about. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's always great. So, I mean, all right, let's go, so, let's go the Fitzy journey. Just to clarify, so that was, nine, that was nine, 2000, wasn't it? Year 2000, 2000. Yes. So you're playing in Sydney, uh, for Sydney. So you must have captivated the media, essentially. Like, I, I think you were like about 18 pages back in the Daily Telegraph. Yeah. Like, this <laughs> yeah. headline news. Just below the, the, uh, the obituaries. Yeah, yeah. Man, man in weird shorts kicks five goals. Yeah, that's right. Lonro wins again, and some tall, skinny, praying man has kicks five for Sydney. So let's talk about the journey. You you brought up in Adelaide or yes. country South Australia? So I was born, uh, Dad went up and coached a team called the Loxton Tigers and he met a beautiful woman on the farm. Her name was Claire Fitzgerald, my mother, from Berry. They fell in love and they had me. All right, we Dad, weren't going that far back, yeah, but this is good. <laughs> it was a great night. Dad wined and dined her and I don't know what position was used, but so what, I was conceived. What happened on the, what happened, what happened on the second day? <laughs> But then um, Dad won the premiership up there. They had me, and yep. I was about one years of age before they decided to move back down to Adelaide. Now, Loxton, is that where Limo is from? That's from Limo. Yeah, yeah. Limo's from and the Riverland. Modra around that area Modra, as well? Modra, Rue's from up there as well. Mm-hmm. So there's some great footballers. Football royalty. Russell Ebert, who's a legend of the game as yeah. well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so we moved back down, and um, yeah, Dad just followed his coaching career. So I went back down south in the, about 40 minutes south of Adelaide, Port Nalunga, and, and that's where I grew up. And which, well, who was your Sandful team? Who did you follow in the Sandful? Well, Dad played up? for the Bays, so he played for Glenelg in the late 60s, early 70s. He had knee problems before mm-hmm. he had to give up his career. Um, so uh, I went for the Bays. I was at the Premierships 85, 86 when I was about 9, 10 years of age. And I've never heard them called the Bays before. Yeah. They're the Tigers, aren't they? They're the Tigers, yeah. yeah. They're the Glenelg. Well, the, the Glenelg is known as the Bay. Okay. Yeah, down at the Bay. Uh, so I always went for the Tigers. But then I, when I was uh, a young fella, I had a job at Mitsubishi making seats, and then I got asked to play for South and Glenelg. I did trials at both. And so you're, you're a good junior, obviously. Well, no, I wasn't, Rosie. This was the thing. I, I wasn't a good footballer when I was younger, more of an athlete, little athletics, and did well in that area. Okay. But I just I was scared of the ball. <laughs> but but out of all the sport that I did, I loved footy the most. Because yeah. of the team environment, I had my best mates were involved. Dad was coach, loved footy so much. But Chamber, I was never the best at footy. Were you always tall? No. Were you I, about, be about six and a half? Yeah, I was middle range. And then uh, I just went through puberty really late. Oh. I, and I'm not joking, 16, 17 years of age. And, and you know, the blokes down at the footy club, the seniors used to... Oh, you don't mate. want to be a skinner around those well, boys. Well, I, I was I was showering in my footy shorts, and you know how bad that is at a footy club yeah. when you're a young fella and you've got to shower in your footy shorts. Absolutely. Uh, it just ruins your life. <laughs> and you're, you're traumatised by what you see in those showers. It, it's like, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> unbelie- I mean, there was a couple of times where, you, you know, the ruckman would turn around and he'd knock, he'd knock you out. <laughs> <laughs> or give you a corky. <laughs> it, it was unbelievable. So I went... So we, we won the under-17 premiership, and I, I was okay. I was nothing special. And then I went up into seniors. I couldn't even make the A-grade team at Port Nalunga Cockle Divers. So I was playing B-grade. That's when I just started growing. And I went. I had this huge growth spurt, and I can remember just everything that I'd been training for, everything that I'd done, plus my height and my confidence, everything just went bang. And I just remember thinking... Not scared of the ball anymore, and I was just flying for everything. And uh, I went from the A grade. We won the premiership down at Port Nalunga. Next year, went to South Adelaide, but had one year at the Panthers. The year after that, getting drafted to go to the Sydney Swans. So in three years, wow. and you playing forward all that time. I started at centre half back. Yep. 
Yep, and I my, my first three games at South Adelaide got absolutely whacked. I had 20 goals kicked on me in three games, and uh, I had a coach, Ken Applegarth, love the bloke to death because the reason is he, he should have dropped me, and I thought I was gone. Yep. And he said to me, I'm... You know what? I'm not going to drop you. I'm going to put you at centre forward, and you're going to stand Chad Corns this week at Glenelg. Cool. And I had I had this game. I remember it now. I think everyone who makes it to the top level, you remember a breakout game that you had. I do. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was just mine's still around the corner. <laughs> you're still waiting. For <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. I just was plucking everything. Yep. I just had one of those games where I had like ten contested marks. I took like three hangers, kicked two goals too. We came back against the bay. Everyone was screaming. And I'm not joking. That week, I'm working at Mitzi's making seats. Dad rings me and goes, mate, we just got a phone call at home from Essendon. Kevin Sheedy just rang. He wants to catch up with you when Essendon are playing in Adelaide next. That's so cool. So you weren't on one game. You weren't on radars before, or you didn't think you were on radars before that? Not at all. And it's funny with scout, and I and I love this system now. And you know, each club have their scouts that go around to these games, mm. and they they see something. And this is how it starts. Like this is how far back it starts. They see a glimpse, or they see raw talent. Yeah. And bang, they hone in. And then after that, I started playing really good footy in the South for South Adelaide in the SNFL. Then you just start getting, you know, Cole Kinnear was ringing me from Carlton saying we want you to come down to the change rooms. I'm meeting my idol Stephen Kernahan down there, and and I just remember going to Dad. I said, I, I, I think I'm going to get picked up in the AFL. And had you clicked mentally that you needed to change your, say, lifestyle? Or you had to become a professional footballer at that stage? I or were you still partying? I was still... Because like, you're you, 20 at this stage? N- yeah, I was 20 years of age. Yeah. And I remember, like, I was... You know, Mitsubishi was a hard job. We'd work from 7 to 4 every day. I was training three times a week, yep. playing SANFL footy on a Saturday... And then just with my mates that I grew up with, just going hard on a Saturday night. And I was, you'd never wake up hungover. You know, it was just, you you bounce out of bed the next day. I loved it. It was a, such a good time in my life. And were you ever, did you want to get out of the factory because you were distracted at training, just thinking, did I stitch the seats properly? <laughs> You know, did it, did the M come out? Is that the what you were doing? You were, you were making seats? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Rolling the leather onto the seats, onto yep. the padding, and then stapling it, and then uh, you know, checking it at the end, and then it would go across on a robot over to the to the car. And so, did you did you then have a fondness for the Mitsubishi symbol on all the googs that you took when you were <laughs> <laughs> later on in life? <laughs> I, be- I became an ambassador <laughs> and got my own pill press, and I went from there. This is great for the brand. This is great no, for the brand. But, but you know what the funny thing is, and, and I love Mitsubishi. I, you know what? I love those three years, and I look back now, and majority of the content that I do on air was from three years that I had Mitsis with all the characters that I had working around yeah. me, and I am now an ambassador for Mitsubishi. Oh, really? They, they give me a car, and it's just like, oh, this is awesome. And you're looking at the seats going, this is fine. <laughs> fine <laughs> double this. stitching on this. I need to meet this gentleman. Oh, i got to go back. i go back to my roots. <laughs> Fuck this radio shit. <laughs> <laughs> so which clubs were looking at you? So you mentioned Essendon, you mentioned Carlton. Yes. Um, there was a majority of the Melbourne teams were looking at me. Melbourne, Hawthorne had a look as well. Did you have a... Crows, Crows were the... Crows were really interested. They wanted me to stay. Okay. Um, Johnny Reed was at the club. He was a big South Adelaide man, so he wanted me to go there. But the Crows won the premiership in 98. So they were 16th. The first pick was 16th. So uh, they were sort of no chance. So you were pretty sure you were going to go in first round then? Well, I was told. I was told. So number one that year was... Um, Hedlund. Uh, Hedlund. I've got it here, actually. I'll yeah. run through quickly. A few other people. So you went four. Yep. Headland went one. Jude Bolton, eight. Mark McBride, nine. Lenny Hayes, 11. Yep. Long, names, Long, Longmuir went to Fremantle at number two. So I was told by the first two clubs, we're going to go Headland and we're going to go Longmuir. Yep. And 38. Then, and then Sydney said to me, Rodney Eade said to me, you're going at number three. We'll pick you up at number three. So then Fosdyke was read out at number three, which freaked me out a bit, but they had three and four. Okay. And, um, see, I still remember it. And this is just the bogan so, from Adelaide. I remember we had a big barbecue. Dad had everyone around for the draft day. And where, where are you? Are you listening to it? Are you waiting for a phone call? Because it wasn't I, on the telly back then. No, it wasn't on the no. telly. No, I think we could, I think you could listen to it. We were waiting for phone calls. Yeah. But my mates and I were so hungover. We went down to Victor Harbour, the Crown, and had a big night and slept in the back of the Kingswood the night before. And I can remember thinking, <laughs> as all good draft Like you just, you know, that moment going, maybe I should start getting a bit professional now. But that was, yeah, it was a huge moment. 
And what 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 was the feeling like going like thinking that you're a first round draft pick all of a sudden? It was. I was more scared of leaving home, like it was my first taste of independence. Never left mum and dad. Never thought I would leave home, you know what I mean? And Sydney, like for being a southern bogan or a country boy from Adelaide, I just went, nah, like Sydney is going to ruin me. And the first six months were really, really hard. So you get drafted in, say, November? Yep. Uh, how quickly are you up in Sydney? Up in Sydney straight away. Rowan Wharf, who played for the Swans, had a house and he needed a couple of young blokes to stay in it to pay, help him pay the mortgage. And so To help with other things, get yeah. the ladies back. <laughs> yeah. yep. Fitzgerald and met this this uh, peroxide hair private school boy who I instantly hated by the name of Jude Bolton. <laughs> and I just went, mate, he's just not... like that. We're two totally different people, you know? And he, we come from... Totally different backgrounds, yep. and I looked at this. I looked at this pansy going, mate. How is this guy a footballer? Look at this pretty boy, the way he dressed and his hair. And I still remember to this day. And I sort of wrote him off at the start. And I still remember one of the first training sessions we had preseason wise, and we did some contact work. And I just watched how hard he went into the ball. Like he just had no fear. He would throw his head into any situations. And we're talking into Creswell's head, into Paul Kelly's head. Like, yeah. this was an 18-year-old kid, and I instantly went, that bloke just is a jet. And that and hasn't we, we backfired, became... him, backfired on him at all. Like, he, he came out of that really well. <laughs> well, this is the funny thing, Rosie. You know, I, I, we also had at one stage Heath James, uh, who was an Adelaide boy, played at Port Adelaide. We lived together with Jude as well. And James, he had 11 hamstrings. I had all my injuries. and I And I look back and... You know, Jude is such... He'll become a Hall of Famer one day. 300-odd yeah. games. He was he went harder than all of us. And that bloke ended up playing 300 games. I'm proud of him. But, geez, it's, it's astounding how, you know, like, you just... I think about it all the time. I wish it, you know, if you could go back yeah. and not have those injuries and you look at a career like Jude had. I don't know if I would have had one like that, but it was amazing. So... You know coming into the draft that the Swans are going to take you. Was it Rodney Eade who tells you that? Yes. was very very close with Rodney early days. And Cole Seary was the football manager there. He, yep. was, he used to walk around with a folder all the time. Everyone used to impersonate him. He was the football manager. So he did all the contracts. What was my first contract? I remember it was like, it was something like 60000 for a rookie, which was amazing. And then I jumped up the second year to $110,000. So you were signed for a two-year deal? Two-year deal. Yep. Right? Um, no, actually, sorry. It was a two-year initially. And then after the first year, they said, Can we want to sign you for another two. Yep. And I remember the last two were a hundred and a hundred and ten thousand. Um, because I had three years at the Swannies. Yep. Um, and I just remember just going, this is unbelievable. And then you get match payments on that, on top of that. Oh, do you? You make the A's. If you make the senior team, <laughs> the you get, yeah. you're, you're getting three grand a game. Yep. Yeah. And I remember just going, this is unbelievable. For I'm, a young bloke. I, oh, it was, Rosie, it was huge. Unfortunately, I, the culture at the Swannies was a bit weird back then. I mean, we, we, <laughs> It's interesting, you know, like guys, or well, Darren Creswell, you know, we know the troubles that Cres has had ever since. And yep. you, we, we all got into, there's a lot of downtime back then. So I ended up getting on the punt. Mm-hmm. I, I, Dad was really disappointed. When my AFL career finished, I'd punted a lot of my AFL money up the wall. And you were a full time player then? Like everyone was full time? Full time. Yeah. Full time. How I, much do you reckon you blew? I'm gambling. I, well, see, I was getting. Oh God, that that's a really interesting question. But yeah. I, I ended up buying a house in Adelaide. I got that, but I there were I, I had real problems when I got delisted paying the mortgage. And do but, you get sucked into like syndicates? You know, the players are really yeah, big on yeah. that. Let's all tip some money in and let's you know. No, but it, you, it's a good way to win. It was punters a, clubs. It was after training. We'd had punters clubs, but after training, it was like the boys would get together and go, "Let's go down to the Endeavour Hotel and have a couple of punts." Yeah. Yep. Let's go to the Trots and the Greyhounds, and you go, yeah, and you love the social. You're there with well, that was the Sydney thing. Swans players. You don't want to be the outlier who's going on. Oh, I want to be responsible. I'm 20 year old. I want to. I want to. You know, I want to be accepted. Yeah, this is what but you see, do. Like, I'm not blaming that. I'm. I, I'm still the one that made the decisions and put the bets on. But yeah. you know, it's that's why AFL's a lot better these days in setting up kids' lives outside of AFL. Yeah. That it was only sort of just starting back then. What do you want to do afterwards? Do you want to study now? 
I mean, I remember City Ford was our uh, major sponsor. How funny is this? I had, Ford. I had no, mo- I had no money back then. Yeah, I'm a Mitsubishi as a man. I had no money back then, so I said to him, "Can I, to Jeff Pilates, who was the the major guy from City Ford, can I get a cheap car? I just need." And he goes, um, he goes, yes, yeah, sweet mate, I'll set you up. Maybe you do a bit of work at one of our local car yards, and we'll get you a cheap car. No worries. And I rocked up to City Four in the city, right in the heart of Sydney. Huge building, three-storey building, and it's like an old warehouse where they drive all the cars and service them and stuff. And walked in there, and I said, oh, what do you want me to do? And they said, well, you know what? This place needs a good lick of paint on the inside. I ended up painting the whole inside of City Ford in the city. It took me months and months and months. I'm not getting paid for this. I'm painting it, right? At the end of it, he takes me out to a car yard. I get this piece of shit Ford Fairmont, right? Piece of shit. And on on it's $3,000. And the bloke looks at me, winks at me, and he goes, I'll give it to you for two and a half. And I'm saying, you I've just painted this whole building and you're taking 500 bucks off. Fuck off. Oh, oh my. It so was. Who were some of the players you were playing with? Plugger was there at the time, wasn't he? I've got a great Plugger story. My first ever. No, don't tell it. We don't want to hear it. <laughs> so, my first ever day at the Swans um, was pre season and they tour- they're giving me a tour, personal tour of the place and showing me the facilities. And I could just, I, there was a moment where I was just, they were talking to someone else and I thought, I'll duck off and have a look myself. So is this 2000 or 99? 99. 99. 99. 99 when I Because there's the Oval next It was door. actually 98, drafted 98 and went over just before the 99 season. So this is pre-season for the 99 season. Yep. Were you training on the SCG? Yes. Yep. Yep. And um, so I'm walking through the halls of the change rooms and I could just hear this cheering. Yeah, yeah, standing ovation and... Thought I'll, I'll go down and have a look at that, and I peer my head through the window uh, around the side of the door, and I could see Dale Lewis standing up, Darren Creswell, Paul Kelly, like legends of the club, and I'm going, you know, Stewie Maxfield, everyone's just standing up wow. and clapping, and I'm going, what's going on? Peer my head around the corner, and there's Plugger out the front with his top off, and he's holding up a cricket bat, and I just found out that he'd got a hundred and his skin folds and he was raising the bat <laughs> and the boys so he's come back from off season so fat. But yeah, you know, if it was anyone else, they would have got absolutely shellacked, right? But this guy, everyone is giving him a standing ovation because he's come back so fat. Oh, oh good lordy. Awesome. And have a look at him now. I saw him recently. I was oh, at a Swannies game, and he gave me this mass. I just someone's just hit me in the kidneys, and I was like, "Oh!" It just took the breath out of me, and I looked around. It was Plugger, mm. and that was a playful punch. <laughs> it was. He called me brains. He goes, "There you go, brains." He used to call me brains because he said I had no brains. <laughs> <laughs> what is your training schedule at that time? Um, if you can remember, yeah. Look, we were you, you're doing something every day. Um, Meetings, like meetings were just starting to ramp up. Not as much as they're getting now, but, um, yeah, it was quite a few meetings. Um, your main training sessions, you know, I'd, I, I know, like I said, coming from Port Alunga to South Adelaide, then to Sydney, I, I only really had one big pre-season at South Adelaide because I was playing suburban footy before that. So were you comparatively like super unfit? It was, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so you got, got be... fit really quickly. Okay. Rosie. Um, and and this was the thing, but I needed to put on weight because I was so skinny. Yeah. So how much did you weigh? Are you reckon about then? I was weighing about eighty-seven kilos. And how tall are you? And and I'm two hundred centimeters. I'm two meters, just just under two meters. So six foot five and a half, six six. So who comparatively is about that height now? Buddy, like, Buddy's a bit. I'm maybe a bit taller than Buddy. Yeah, right. And you weighed eighty-seven kilos. Eighty-seven kilograms. Fuck. Where you Buddy just, would be what one hundred and five, hundred, hundred and five. I, I would say. say so. so you just get pushed off the ball. Yeah, really easily. So they're instantly like you got to get to one hundred kilos, which I'm fair enough. Yep. Um. So I'm eating steaks, drinking Guinness. Like I, I had, I had like weights guys going. This is what you have to do to put on weight, and you, and you work it all off. You're training so hard. But I do remember, it, mate, it's an amazing feeling. No one goes through that. But when you get into a training regime like that, I remember just looking at my body transform and you just, 
there's nothing better when your fitness kicks in and you know, you know, I was playing trial games and just leading back and forth and, you know, guys standing me that just couldn't keep up. That's such a, an amazing feeling. Like guys like Nick Rewalt. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. used to do that consistently in games where you'd look behind him and his defender just would be on, just on their knees, just going, mate, just stop leading. So, you know, I tried, I was never really the hardest trainer, but I, I just got fit really quickly. And do you think that helps feed into the ego? You're super fit. Yep. You're looking great. You're loaded you're for a Sydney. 20. Yeah, you're loaded for a 20 you year old. you got a cool car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i got a Ford, Ford Fairmont. you got all this egg white paint left over. <laughs> you can paint your house for you. You know, plugger's calling me brains. <laughs> I'm on top of the world. <laughs> I'm on top of the world. It, it, it is an amazing feeling. Mm. And then so we started the year and Rodney Ede said to me, I'm really happy with the way that you're going, but yep. mate, you're, just, you're still raw, so we'll play you in the twos. And was that the knee full back then? Still was? That, or the VFL side? No, 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 no. It was, it was the AFL twos. Okay. That's where everyone had a second side, so a reserve a side, which yeah. was great. I love that competition. Yeah. So you'd be jumping around playing at the G and yep. playing at the Gabba and the like? Yep. Yeah, cool. Yep. And it was amazing. And I remember our first game was at the SCG. And, but see, this is like, this is, okay, so this is the 1999, season 1999. And I remember got a phone call on the Wednesday night before the first game of the year. Yeah. Boys are going out. Keen for a few beers. I was like, whoa, you sure? Like, it's a Wednesday night. And they're like, no, no, we'll just go for a couple. <laughs> go get a counter meal. I didn't get home until 5 a.m. in the morning on Thursday morning, and I'm playing on Saturday. And I remember just going, oh, this is just, what, what is going on? But that was the culture back in. Yeah. They, they used to go out in the piss midweek, you know what I mean? But went out there, and we dominated. We had this belter of a game in the twos. and This is for I round got, one? Yeah, yeah, round okay. one. I think I kicked three or four. Got second best. Rocket said, mate, well done. Really happy. And he said, look, I'm going to give you one more game, but you're really close. You'll, put, you'll be playing very soon. Second game against Richmond, punt road. Jason Tawney would try to get around me. I went to go punch tackle him because he's an Adelaide boy. I, tried, I thought I'll give him one here, and I just popped my shoulder out. Dislocated it, couldn't get it back in two hours. Oh, I had God. to go in, I had to go under, went into hospital. So it was a really bad dislocation. And, and I've dislocated shoulders. That is not a pleasant it's experience. Horrible, mate. Yeah. And they finally got it back in. And the decision that they had to make was we could probably keep playing you, but because you dislocated it so bad, it will pop all the time. You're young, get a shoulder reco. So it comes back stronger. Yep. And so I had 16 weeks off. Rehab, got myself fit again, played two, I played two resi games, and then we hit finals, right? So I've been out all year and we hit finals, and I played two resi games and played really well, and Rocket said, I'm playing you this week. Your first game is going to be the elimination final, 1999. And I think that there was a story going around the last person. I think Dermy. I think Dermy played his first game in a final. He did for semi yes. in 82. So that was the last time it would happen. Kick five as well. Did he really? Yeah. yeah. Far out. Same company, my friend. Chamber, you've the stats, man. So <laughs> I, I was so excited. That week at training, one-on-one -on -one with Greg Stafford, pushed me to the ground. Other shoulder dislocated. Oh, no that. way. Fuck. It's, so, it's horrible. So as a junior, when you were playing in the sandfall and everything, had you had any issues uh, injury-wise at all? None. Absolutely none. I mean, the makeup of my body being tall and skinny, you know, people said, you know, you're always going to have knee problems or... But just it just went bang, bang, bang. And so w was it a feeling like for you when you came back that you still had confidence in it because it wasn't an ongoing thing? It was just a one-off and you went, oh, that won't happen again. I've had the Rico. Yeah. I'm as confident as ever. Well, then I had the Rico on the other shoulder again. Yep. Then we go into the year 2000 and I had a, I had a good pre-season. I couldn't really put on too much weight because I'm trying to still get over the shoulder so Rico. you can't bench press, can't do anything over your head. No. But got myself really fit again. And I had a couple of good trial games. I stood Adam Goods one day in a trial game and had a really good game. Yep. And um, Rocket said, I'm going to play you round one in the year 2000. And I didn't know if I'd justified my spot yet, but I thought, I've got to take this. Now, just quickly, is Plugger still in the team then? No. Plugger played 99 and then retired. Yeah, okay. So Plugger played my first year. Yep. And then he was gone. Yeah, so they are looking for a replacement for him because Barry Hall hasn't come to the club no, yet, has he? Okay. No, So. And Goodsy's a couple of years into the career? Goodsy, but see, Goodsy under Rocket, this this is the thing, Rocket was, Rocket treated Goodsy really bad. Right, you'll, let, ne you'll never hear Goodsy say this, 
but yeah, good. We good. don't know him. <laughs> well, no, Rocket, Rocket used to call him the turtle because he reckons every time he went up for the ball, he'd shit himself and he'd put his head back into his shell. Yeah. Right, yeah, Goodsy, a lovely guy. You'll never hear him say a bad word about some, anyone, but I, I tell you what, he, he had an effect on Goodsy's career, Rocket Ede, and it wasn't until Ruzy came to the club. Soon as that first year, well, Goodsy went straight up into the ones and he's, the first year he was playing Rezzy's under Rocket. He couldn't even get into the ones. Is that right? As soon as Ruzi got there, he won a Brownlow. Well, yeah, it was 203, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, straight after yeah. you were there. Um, and you talk very affectionately about uh, Adam Good. You, you're a big fan mate, of his. love him. I mean, wh- how hard that bloke has worked. And, and, uh, and I was there through the rocket years, you yeah. know, and seeing his confidence go up and down and... How devastated were you, like personally knowing Adam Goods as well as you do, when all that bullshit went down with the booing and just, all that kind of stuff? It just, it, it I, I, I've never seen anything divide a country so much as that. Yeah, and it's disappointing because you know what, you can't, you cannot. Unfortunately, you cannot change someone's views, and I got so angry. Like I got into blues with my family over Christmas over that, going. But you, you're not the one that can judge if it's racist or not. Adam Goods is the only one that can do that. If yeah. he feels that way, it's a racist tone. So yeah. don't you think for him? And you know we were getting into fights, and but the way that he handled that Goodsy, and I reckon has how he has since then and left it. To rest, I think, has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He's been fantastic. All right, so let's... You brought up Rocket. Let's get to the Rocket era when you played under him. And uh, you are perhaps not a fan of the great Rodney E. But you did say it started off well. It did, yeah. Well, R- Rocket was the type of bloke where you talk to anyone under Rocket. If you're playing well and the team's winning, he's your best mate. As soon as things start to go a bit sour and he's under the pump a bit, things completely change. And he was Rocket's style of coaching, and everyone knows about this. He was quite brash, and he liked to be little, you know, people. That that was his way of, you know, you could be at, tra- at a training session and drop a mark on a lead, and he will stop the training session and just single you out in front of a everyone. Training. But he, this is where I I think he overstepped the line a couple of times. He, he did it to you early on, didn't he? He yeah, yeah, he did. And and you know what? Some people react differently to that. Whereas others, and I think unfortunately for me, you go into your shell a bit and you lose a bit of confidence as well. Oh, yeah, but if, tell the story and then we'll see how people would have reacted to this particular story. So that first game I told you about uh, in 1999 in the reserves game, right? My old man, and, and this is my father, my whole footy career was his life. Like he just, his career was over. And my old man, he used to drive from Adelaide to Sydney sometimes to come and watch me play. That's how much it meant to him. Wow. Because he just, he, you know, he couldn't afford a plane ticket or anything like that. He but would he could dro- afford the amphetamines to keep him away. <laughs> <laughs> he was big on that. Exactly. He went to heaven, Yeah, he went to have a nightclub, <laughs> picked some up. The Red Mitsubishis. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dad came over to the Sydney game for my first ever reserves game. And... um Oh, there's a couple of funny stories because Dad's still a country boy, sort of at heart. And three quarter time chamber, he came at the SCG. He just thought, you know, it was country footy, and you could just jump the fence and go and listen to the, the three quarter time <laughs> address. So the security guard grabbed him, and he go, he said to the bloke, "Fuck off, mate! My son's playing." <laughs> so the bloke let him get out there, and there's just one random bloke in a pair of acid wash jeans and a hat on, just listening to the address. Were you watching him going, Dad? What are you doing? Oh, God, what are you doing out here? Uh, he's going, "No, just come on, concentrate, concentrate." <laughs> anyway, we, we that first game, we were behind, and we had this great win. We came back and we won. And it was, the, you know, it's your first moment at the club. I was so excited. You've learned the words. You want to sing the song. Dad came down and he was nearly crying. The emotion. There were a lot of parents down there that day. And my old man just joined in on the song. Got so in the circle. A- arm and arm. Dad's next to me. And everyone got joined in on the circle. And I still remember it. And, you know, you, you, I'm a little bit embarrassed, but I, I knew how passionate Dad was. Oh, no, he's proud of his son. He's driven all that way. He's chucking the Gatorade in your face. Yeah, exactly. That week at training, I rocked up at training, and we're getting ready, and Rocket comes into the training room. And I still remember this distinctly. He probably doesn't. But um, he just started having a crack at me. Your old man going to rock up this week and make a fool of himself? And I sort of turned around and went, what? And then I could hear a bit of sniggering from the boys and that. And he said, oh, yeah, God, you know, trying to get onto the oval. And then, you know, and then he's getting involved with the song after the game. Is he going to rock up and make a fool of himself? And 
See, mate, no, well, he just, he's just watching his son play, you know. Like, I, I, it sort of cut me a bit. I was a bit shattered by that. Oh, fuck. It was a bit personal. And I just went, you know what, for, you know, a club that prides themselves on family and looking after the family just as much as the players, I think you just fucked up a little bit there. Do you Am- think he was making a joke that oh, just look, got too personal? It, it may have been his style yeah. oh, of humour. He's not humor. known for his humour, I would imagine. No. But that it, it that really cut me. Mm. But see, you know, he he had some personal jabs at a lot of blokes over the years that I could go through with you if you've got time, mate. <laughs> Please <laughs> indulge back us. and relaxed. <laughs> it, it's so funny. I was talking to Bob Murphy about this as well because Bob had him at the Bulldogs. It's funny because you know people are still a bit with, with with you know talking about what coaches do and that they're still a bit apprehensive doing it. They don't really want to go down that road. You know, yeah. it's sort of still a a hidden code that you don't talk about that stuff. Um, but yeah, I oh, mate, after games, it was, see Rocket's big one. If you had a shit game after the game in front of the whole team, he would single you out, point at you. So just to humiliate. Yep. So Stephen Carey, a hundred and five fucking kilograms of fairy floss. He said, mate, if I had a fucking baseball bat right here, I would take it to your head. <laughs> and he's he's taken out the wrong way. <laughs> I remember there was one, Matty Nix. Matty Nix was negotiating. Or there was rumours going around that Matty Nix was talking with Adelaide, yep. right? And Nixie had a bad game. And I just remember Rocket just pointed him out. And fucking Nixie. You know what? After today's game, and you want to fucking go to Adelaide. And I remember it was just, per- and he's just looking at him going, go, mate. We don't fucking want you. Go. If you're going to play like that, go and sign with them. You know, in front of, in front of the senior team and stuff like that, it's a style that, I don't know, it may work with some people, but it was... I mean, you know, I talk to my former teammates. We have a joke about it, but it, it can... You know, you got to be careful in that situation. Oh, you could, you can't do it these days. No way. Like, you Not look like at that. The, you look at the Melbourne players complaining about a, a yeah, trip away. You just can't do it anymore. Did you come close to just uh, just going, oh, fuck this? The, like, the, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a fucking crack back. Oh, there was a couple of times where I, 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 and I was even speaking to Bolts and a few of the boys going, oh, I'm just going to hit him. Yeah. And I think, and I think I've got justification just to, with some of the personal stuff he said to me where I can go back to the club and go, well, he's been saying this to me. But, you know, like it just... And how many games did you play for the Swans? Ten games. Imagine you had to play more. Oh. And was there a hierarchy? Would he say that to Plugger, for example? No. So f- the, funny th- uh, the funny thing with Plugger, and this is, and I mean, this is divisions in clubs. It's, every week, Rod, uh, Rocket had the big thing where you would do your research on the who you're playing that week. And Rocket's big thing, uh, Chambo, you'd have a meeting beforehand and he would just start reeling off players. So we got North Melbourne this week. Uh, Anthony Stevens, Schwatter, tell me about Anthony Stevens. And he'd go, left footer, always turns around to the left, um, good with his hands, got to get onto him early. And you have to do your research about the man you're standing. Not good under windows, that sort of shit. And, and he'd always go the rookie players. Like, and if you didn't do your research, he would berate you in front of everyone. Well, fucking learn him. Find out a bit more about him, which is understandable. But his big joke every week, and then he'd go, North Melbourne. He'd go, Plugger, who you got this week? And Plugger would go, oh, I don't know. And they'd go, mate, you got Mick Martin. You've been standing him for the last fucking 15. <laughs> and Plugger would say a joke, drop a fart, and everyone would laugh their head off. Like, it was just, you know, and it was just a running joke that Plugger had no idea who he was standing every week. And is Ruzi at the club at the time, like the in the support role? Yeah, Ruzi was an assistant coach. I didn't have much to do with Ruzi, but yeah, Ruzi was there. And no, no, Ruzi was commentating at that time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think he had an assistant role towards the end of my career at Sydney, so the last year or so. So who would a couple of the assistants be? Steve Malaxos. Oh, really? Yeah, Craig Holden, Steve Torbman. I think Torbo's still there. Um, who else did we have? Were they divvied up into like forward and back? And Nah, it wasn't back then. No, I don't think coaches. It was, nah, I don't okay. think it was divvied up back then. You just had assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. So you've kicked five on debut. Mm. Uh, what are you thinking at that stage? You're like, mate, I'm on top of the world here. I, I, the confidence was through the roof. Second game I thought was even better. We went over to West Coast. We played uh, West Coast over there at Subiaco. And I walked out to centre-half forward and I'm looking at Glenn Jakovic. Oh. He'd just cleaned up Carey the week before round one. And I just remember thinking to myself, this bloke is a machine. And that was my moment, Chambo, where I, there was a moment in the second quarter 
where I looked around and Djakovic was puffing and he was looking at, he was giving me this look like stop running. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, oh, this is unbelievable. I've never felt more confident in my life. Ta- t- was taking grabs. Then Ashley McIntosh got moved onto me. And I just remember this is just, I, I was just, to, to be in that zone, that, that confident zone that only comes here and there, it was just an amazing feeling. And I just thought, this is it, right? This is it. Now this is the start of your career. Like, I want to do this. I was addicted to it. I want to do this every week. So you played a pretty solid game, that one? Played a solid game. But afterwards, I um, my groins were just really sore. Yeah. So that, from that moment then, that was uh, it was the start of osteitis pubis really bad. So for the rest of the year, after a game, I would cool down and I, could, I couldn't walk. And remember, osteitis pubis oh. was really big back then. A went, lot of people had it. Yeah, it went through a massive phase, didn't it? Well, it stopped now because everyone's doing their core stuff and Pilates, Pilates. and all that kind of stuff. Do you want to describe what it is? Like, is well, it it's just painful groins. It's basically that your, your pelvic bone, it's the top of your groins, and it's connected to your pelvic bone, and they just get, t- they tighten up. And you can't run. It's horrible. Towards, they kept playing me, which was even worse. And by the end of the year, I was playing twos. And I could not lead. And Steve Malaxos was saying to me, just stay in, stay in the square and we'll bomb it to you one-on-one. And it got so bad and so tight that I had to have an operation, went in for an operation to cut both of my groins to loosen them, and they found a double hernia in there as well. Uh, oh, fuck. So that was, that, was two, that was my second year. Because was it Juddie's last year at West Coast where he basically couldn't run, and I think he had exactly the same thing. It's, it was it's horrible. Why do you think it was so common back then? Just because people weren't doing the core work, it, and it was it was doing too much work. Like the, the workload, it, it, it's just massive. Like if you didn't do this core stuff these days, I reckon every footballer would have osteitis pubis. It was just doing too much. And what's it like running? You know, you see players running fifteen, sixteen k's. In footy boots, what would that be like? Like, it's hard enough to do it in normal, good, you know, pair of Brooks or whatever you've, you know, yeah. been set up with. To do yeah. it in boots on a hard ground. Well, that's the thing. But see, you don't know you're doing it, Rosie. It's just part of the game, you yeah, know what okay. I mean? You're chasing a ball, you're you, enjoying it. And you're it. just loving it. Yep. Um, so in 2000, you played 10 games then? 10, right? yeah. So, so, so 10 in a row? Before 10 the- in a row, and that's when the Austria... So the last, so the last eight of those, the two first games... And after that, I was affected by osteitis pubis, yeah. and they kept playing me, and I just couldn't run as fast. I was pulling up really bad. Did you say to them, "I, I need a break"? I said, "I'm, I'm got. I just can't. I can't run. I can't jump. You got no explosiveness." And they said, "We'll drop you. We'll drop you to the twos. See if you can get some form back there." And I'm like, "Fuck! I don't need form. I just yeah. need a bit. Of, I need <laughs> a bit of a rest." So I got worse and worse, and then I had the operation at the end of the year. Yeah. And how? What's a recovery like on a groin operation? Well, that's. My balls went completely black, scared the crap out of me, and it was just yeah, it's rest. It really, was really that frightened you. <laughs> it was just, it was yeah, it was um, yeah, it, that was just rest. I came back from that, had another preseason, but I do remember after those operations, I remember going, I didn't have the toe that I did before. Like I couldn't run as fast as I could. Okay, so I did. And slow on the you down le- a bit. And, and it was horrible, you know. Like you, you, well, know, you the- need the lead. That's oh, your that's your craft, isn't it's, it? And you talk to any footballer getting on in their career when you start knowing that you can't jump as high or, or run as fast as you used to. It's it's a horrible feeling. But you shouldn't be feeling that at twenty two. Basically, no, like they've no. done this to you. So then hobbled you a bit. So then that's the thing. So then my final year. So this is two thousand and two now. Two thousand and one. This is two thousand and one oh, yeah. now. Yep. Uh, a preseason game, and I'm trying to get back uh, for the first game, and playing Collingwood on a country ground, and um, went up for a mark and came down and uh, did my knee. Did my first knee. Which part of the had knee? Had no idea. Didn't hurt. Kept playing. Yep. Had no idea. Then came in and Gibbsy, our doctor, said... Hang on, you did an ACL and you kept playing. Did an ACL and... Who do you had, think you are, Lenny Hayes, mate? Had, had no idea. So, but, you, but you, my, did you know something was ne- wrong? Yeah, when you- my knee was sort of given out a little bit. And then Gibbsy said, well, let me have a look at it. And he said, oh, mate, I don't think this is good. Because it's really loose. So, I we went and got tested the next day and that was it. And then... So, you know, I immediately Fuck. think... Oh, you know, my contract's up and I'm thinking, oh, I'm all right here. I think I've shown enough to, at Sydney. I lo- By then... Adelaide boy loved Sydney. Loved it. Got my best mates. Really loved. And I really wanted to prove myself at Sydney. Yep. 
So I thought I was I was doing okay, and then at the end of the year, I remember Cole Siri gave me a call and said, "Mate, it's a it's a business, and unfortunately, we're we're trading you to Adelaide." So did that? I mean, as as devastating as that would be, the fact that you're hearing that one, you're going to get traded, they're not just delisting you, mm. and two, it was to Adelaide. Was that did that soften the blow well, somewhat? That did soften the blow. Being yeah. an Adelaide boy, going back home. And you know I love the crows, barrack for the crows my whole life. So you know that 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 was I got really excited about that. I really wanted to make it work. Had a good preseason under Gary Ayres. Played those first eight games. So do you say, do you say goodbye to your Sydney mates? What happens there? Oh mate, I had a, I had a girlfriend in Sydney who I'd fallen in love with. Yeah, and I was like everything just changes, and it's. I, I I said to this girl, do you want I, want I want to do this long distance? And she said, oh, it's going to be a bit hard. I said, well, can we just try it? And she goes, okay, let's try this. Yeah, no worries. A week later, Rowan Wolf rings me, rings me and goes, I saw your girlfriend at the movies with another bloke. Oh, <laughs> fuck. A week later. It was Rodney E. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we were actually going to... We were actually going to... raise in the bat with his top off. <laughs> we had a... We had a uh, we're going to bring her in as a surprise guest. So, Cancellor, Cancellor. Kristen, come on in. Uh, let's stay in, Sydney, stay in Sydney for a little bit longer. So when you do your knee, you have an operation. Yep. Uh, they, what are they doing? They're patching the ligament together again? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Merv Cross did it. He was the best in the business. That was... Uh, no, I went all out. So I think I had the patella tendon, So you take the which is the toughest tendon. So that was the best way to do it. And uh, it's just a full year of recovery. It was yeah. horrible. And see, see I... Yeah, wow. And also, you know, like, I, I love to have a beer and I'd love to go out. You're having a full year off... I didn't know where I was going to be the year after. I got on the piss a bit and, you know, enjoyed myself a little bit. I was known as the joker around the club. You know, people like you, but you're not you're not getting taken. You're not getting the credit that you want, you know what I mean, and the reputation that you want to have. Yeah. And I understand that now. You know, I've spoken to Paul Kelly and that about it afterwards and stuff like that. And, you know, they knew I was sort of, you know, the, the, the joker and didn't take it too seriously. You probably could have concentrated a little bit more. So you think in their eyes, maybe they just saw it. If it was a leading teams type thing, they would have told you work harder. Yep. Bloody oath. Yeah, okay. Yeah, without a doubt. I don't think I would have done very well in that leading teams at all. <laughs> and you're doing a lot of stationary bike by yourself at yep. the club? Yeah, it's horrible. You're still showing up kind of like for a nine to five kind of day? Swimming. Yep. You're still there all the time, but you, you, you instantly, coaches completely forget about you. No one talks to you anymore. So you're a ghost. You're, a, you're a ghost. Yeah, it's horrible. It was the same at the Crows. I was pretty close with Gary Ayres. I formed a really good relationship with Ezzy. As soon as I did my knee, didn't see Ezzy for the next six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck. Because, you know, you're just not in their plans anymore. Well, I guess they don't need you anymore. No. It's almost, well, I'm not, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but it's almost like, uh, what are they going to talk to you about, apart from, apart from your health? Well, that's, that, that's like, a thing. They're not going to talk about game, no. game day stuff with you, are they? But see, you know, you hear coaches these days, like the Scott brothers and stuff like that. I mean, they catch up with the, these kids. You know, they get them over their house for dinner. and Yep. There, there's certain types, leaders out there that do it. Rue, Rue used to do it. I remember at the Crows, Rue, Rue used to get all the young blokes over his house for a barbecue. And you don't realise how much of an effect that has on a young player. Oh, mate, how exciting. It's it's unbelievable, yeah. Rosie. That, and that's why guys like Rue are just such amazing leaders because, you know, it's not all about, you know, winning games. It's field. finding out about their family and, and, you know, looking after them. There's some really, really good leaders just, out there. Just, I mean, the people have come from a long way away too. Yeah, and exactly. you come to a new town, you don't know anyone. You're, it's you tough. Know, you're, you're making good money, yeah. but you're not making Rue money, I suppose. No. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's just lonely. Yeah. And so was it Gary Ayers that wanted you to Adelaide? Is that pretty much how it goes? Yeah, Gary Ayers and Johnny Reid. Yeah. Um, and they said, I still remember Reedy. Reedy's got a voice like this and he's a real hard nut. And he sort of rang me and said, mate, we've always wanted you at the Crows. Mate, so good to have you back. Uh, let's talk money. Uh, we don't have any, mate. Um, <laughs> mate, you know, you know, Fitzy, I bloody love you, but unfortunately we don't have any money, so we're going to have to give you the minimum five, 55000 bucks a year, but you, you, you know, you get your match payments if you play in the ones. So uh, are, they, I, are they building a superstar side at this? They've had a bit of a come down off the back yeah. of the two premierships. Is McLeod still there? McLeod's then? still there. Yeah. Yep. Goodwin, Rue, Rue. Yep. Kane Johnson was still there. Still got a good side. Yeah. Okay. But see, the reason why I brought up this story, because Reedy's going, yeah, mate, got no money. Unfortunately, the club's got no money, you know, past the salary cap. The year after, they pay 600 grand for Duck for Wayne Carey. <laughs> oh, really? 
<laughs> so, I mean, but that, that's the negotiating skills of a football so now, operations And you're manager. out at football park? Yep. Out so at Footy Park. That'd be a thrill, though, for a ground oh, it, you, you it, know, you went to. It was amazing. And and the one game I do remember at the Crows that meant a lot to me uh, was the Sydney game. So I got to play Swans again the year after I got uh, traded. And it was at Adelaide, uh, sorry, at Footy Park. Rodney Eade's direct, uh, directive was to Brad Seymour, go out there and rough Fitzy up. I reckon if you rough him up, you'll put him off his game. Jeez, he hasn't let it go, has he? So before the game... He pointed out where your dad was sitting in the crowd, too. <laughs> <laughs> in the chest one. He's gaffer tape dad. Dad had to sing the swans just to put me off. And so Brad Seymour runs straight down. And, you know, I've spoken to him since then. He sort of regrets this. But he, he was given the directive by Rocket, go down and rough him up. So he just comes down, knocks, barrels me straight over. He's kneeing me, punching me in the ribs. Fuck. I said, Snapper, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's going, oh, you like this? You like this? It's like, oh, my God. So as soon as the ball's bounced, he moves off me and Jared Bennett comes and stands me. So the, he was told, just go down there and then go pick up another man as soon yep, as the yep. ball's bounced. Kick two in the first quarter. Nice. And end up with four for the game. So that was, you know, I sort of look. at That was a moment for me where I was just like, you know what, it's, I'm just, you sort of look up at the box, the Sydney box yep. at Footy Park and go, that was my middle finger to rocket. That's awesome. What a great feeling. <laughs> yeah. And how many, how many games? So you played eight games all up for the Crows. Eight games for the Crows and then Monica Oval against North Melbourne, Jason McCarthy, go up for a mark and I'd do the other knee. Oh, dude, fucking hell. And, and I knew... So at, two shoulders, both groins, two yeah. knees. And you, you did this on the front bar, Rosie. Remember you had the... Uh, you, you got it framed, Fitzy's last stand, because <laughs> we had Chris Judd on the show. And it was Juddy, the, the standing ovation Juddy got when he got carried off the ground because people knew that was it. Yeah. And you you had 60,000 people standing. <laughs> yeah. For me, I think there was 4,000 people at Monica Oval. <laughs> and it was dead quiet as I'm getting stretched off did the ground. Did you give it the thumbs up? Yeah, show you're okay. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, okay, because it should have been applause. Anyway. Just, Give it a thumbs up to let everyone know you're fine. Did this even, one, though, even though you're in tears. This time you knew you'd done your knee? Did it hurt? Oh, it, yeah. Did you snap or anything? Uh, th- that one was really painful. Yeah, That was like a knife going into the back of your knee, and I thought, yeah, in a bit of trouble here. But the worst thing is, as I'm getting stretched off, I knew they're not going to give me another contract. Well, They, they, they can't. Yeah. So I knew. And you're like, you're round eight. So you've got to go through. So now I'm thinking in my mind, I've just got to rehab, get this right again. And now I'm thinking about another stage of my life. I'm thinking about going back to the SNFL and hoping I can get a good job. So you're 23 at this stage, 24? 24. 24. No, and you said so 21. Yeah, 24. 24 and you think your career's done. Done. Fuck. Mate, that- it, it's horrible. I rang dad on the phone. Dad's crying. It's, yeah, it, it, you know, I get emotional thinking about it now, but that's, you know, you, you get that one moment in your life and this is the moment where it's taken away from you. Now, I know that the clubs would look after you mentally these days. Was there any mm. talk of, you know, go see a psych or was there anyone you could talk to about it? Did they, did they protect you in that regard? Yeah, that, that, there was always facilities in, and they, they always helped you out in that sense. Okay. The other thing as well, and the Groves didn't like this and they tried to dispute it, but I, if you get injured, like, uh, and you know, you're getting match payments, like I said, if you get injured in the ones, uh, forever how long that injury is, I think it's like 18 games that you can get paid for. Okay. From that injury. Yep. So I got injured in the ones. So even for the rest of the year, I was still getting my match payments, which they weren't happy about because they were paying me three or four grand a week and I wasn't even out in the track. So, you know, from that sense, financially, I was looked after a little bit. And they were great. Like, rehab, getting it back, they always helped me. But then, end of the year, get, I get this phone call. Easy and John Reid want to see you in their office. Uh-oh. And I knew what was You're happening. You're like, all right, five-year deal, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the house, it's all coming so good. So I walk in, where do you want me to sign, <laughs> motherfuckers? <laughs> so, Easy, Easy didn't really look at me had his head down and Johnny Reed did the talking and said Fitzy he goes mate when we picked you up last year and traded you over he goes mate with your injuries you're about 10 to 1 to make it he goes if we go with you again mate you're about 150 to 1 and as a joke I, I got my wallet out of my back pocket and I said well Reedy I'll put 10 bucks on myself 
And he said, no, mate, you can't because, unfortunately, we're going to let you go. Scratching you. How long it. would that meeting take? That was it. That was how quick it was. Fuck. It was in and out. And so do you go down and clean out a locker then? Like, what? what's the next yeah, step? Yeah, you know, like, Rue, I spoke to Rue about it. I was good mates with Rue, and Rue said, no, leave it up to me, Fitzy. I'll see what I can do. Like, mm. he was, you know, because Rue, Rue was really good. Rue, Rue believes that you need characters around the club and that, you yeah. know what I mean? Even if it's just to keep the boys up, and he thought I was one of those guys where I just got along with everyone, and you could have a laugh, and... But, um, you know, unfortunately, it is, it, it's a business these days. It's brutal, isn't it? It but is brutal. You've got, there's a lot of downtime. So, like you said before, there's punters clubs, a little bit of gambling and stuff yep. like that. Now, one of my favourite stories that's come out of the Adelaide Crows was you guys buying into uh, technology that was supposed oh. to, uh, that had F- to be fire, created. Firepower. Firepower. So, so we, oh, I, oh, oh, this is an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know this story, Chamber? Is this the tablet you put in your fuel tank? Yeah, yes. It was a pill that you put into your fuel tank and you get twice as much out of your fuel. Yeah. Bring in technology. Um, and there was a guy, Tim Johnson, who ran it. Sounds not made up at all. No, no. <laughs> but see, it was one of those things. And I mean, footballers are that dumb. You get sucked in with this stuff. It's like, you know, you hear about a horse. Oh, I've just spoken to a trainer and they said, yeah, this is definitely going to win. So where does this start? Where do you first hear about firepower? So it was Rue. Uh, Rue got involved and said, um, oh, boys, we, we found out about this share. So someone comes to Mark Rashuda and goes, hey, mate, I've yes. got something for you. Yeah, you've got to invest in this. And it was early days. Is that a thing, though, actually, if footballers, are people coming to them with suggestions, investments, are people around the club saying, I can you know, look after your money for yep. you in that regard? Yep. Mate, yep. you've got a well, cheap car. Well, see, yeah. this, but see, this is the thing, though, Chamber. You do get sucked in quite a bit as footballers. I know Gavin Wanganeen over the years with a lot of businesses that he went into, a lot of people burnt him. You're very naive. You trust a lot of people. Yeah. I've been That's burned, the thing, isn't it? I've been burned a few times. This was the big one, though. So, Rue's going around to the boys going, look, keep, keep this quiet, but this is huge, right? And we can get it at a cheap share price, and it's just starting. And I'm like a bit like, and he's going, mate, all these huge investors, businessmen are investing millions in it. So, we went to this seminar in Adelaide, and this guy from Firepower, Tim Johnson, comes out. This guy was good chamber. <laughs> like, he did this full seminar telling us about firepower. He had videos up on the screen. Have a look at this truck. And, you know, the truck was, you know, there's all this black smoke coming out the back of the exhaust. Then all of a sudden they put this firepower pill in there. Black smoke's gone. And and, and it sounds... a different truck. It sounds like it's running better. Oh, and they, he washed said it, you, they washed it and painted it. Mate, I could hear people in the room going, wow. <laughs> so, and there were some big players there. Like, there were, there were legends from South Australia. Paul Bagshaw, my dad had got his number and I rang him and said, Baggy, I just want your advice. And he said, Fitzy, I'm glad you've rang me because you need to do a bit of research. But he said, mate, yeah, I've invested a lot of money into this. We're really confident about it. Wow. So I invested $30,000 in it. For me, it was massive. Well, that's over half your wage. The worst thing, I was so excited about this, I got mum and dad to invest oh, 10000 no. oh, no. bucks. No. Because I thought I could set mum and dad up here. Yeah. Um, like there was this thing got so big. I, I, I mean, I think Duck invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into it. But there was talk, right? We, the Crows were trying to get Matthew Pavlich for years to come back to Adelaide, and then Rue was going around going, "Mate, the the club are offering like, like millions of shares in Firepower," and Pav, Pavlich apparently was thinking about it. <laughs> so anyway, everyone invests. This guy was so good, he, um. Russell Crowe got him onto the Rabbitohs. He went on Jay Leno's show and was spruiking this new product called Firepower. He had a Rabbitohs jersey on with Firepower on there. So he'd sucked all these people in. Cost of Zoo invested. Steve Waugh invested. All these people had sponsorships. Uh, The Western (laughs) Force played Matt Gitto a million dollars because he said Firepower will pay for his... And he never got paid, Matt Gitto. So we we found out that it was a complete scam, and all the money was gone. Did that guy end up in the clink or something? No, he he went overseas for a bit. He's 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 come back, but he didn't end up in the clink. I think he got found guilty, but there was a book that was written about it. Because I used to go on air, and I used to because no one knew about it, and I used to talk about my big thing when I read the sport was Mark. I used to call him Mark Rupert Firepower Rashudo. <laughs> everyone thought, oh, Fitzy's calling him Firepower because you know that's what he's like on the field. He's explosive, and 
I said that, and it's even written in this book that some... I think they blamed Lemo. They stuffed up and blamed Lemo. <laughs> I think Lemo put money in it, too. Oh, yeah, he yeah, lost a bit. Le- Lemo, yeah, Lemo put money in it, too. Dude, that it was, was good. All the uh, glitterati of Adelaide lost a shit ton yeah. of cash. Oh, it was just... But see, that's how dumb footballers are sometimes. i got a business opportunity. We'll talk about <laughs> it after, after it sets. But I think you're, I think you're prime. You're, you're right for it. Ezzy, uh, what was he like? Ezzy was great. Yeah, I rated Izzy, different bloke, but I, I thought he was a really, really good coach, um, and he was really, really good with me, had a lot of confidence in me. The, the difference between him and Rocket, I, you know, I felt a lot more confident out in the ground, so I, I had a good relationship with him, but geez, he's a scary man, mm. Izzy. Would that, he do the bake as well? That story, that story of when he took his wife on the footy trip. I love that. Please tell it. Amazing. Where, you know, that was Hawthorne in its glory days. And Dipper told me this, and Dipper was like, the boys went to Dipper and said, Mate, So they're in Hawaii, weren't they? They're in Hawaii. And Ezzy taking his just wife. Ro- yeah, Ezzy just rocked up with his wife, and it was the footy trip. And they're like, what the fuck is he doing? This this is the footy trip, you know? Like, we've won another premiership. What is he doing? So they've said, Dipper, you're the one that has to go and tell him. And Dipper's like, oh, fucking. Because <laughs> he had such a reputation, Ezzy. He was the toughest bloke out in the field. So, Dipper went and knocked on his on his hotel room, and as he comes to the door, shirtless, "G'day, Dip. What's going on, mate? Uh, just had a chat to the boys. Just had a chat to the boys, and um, mate, it's the footy trip, as we just." How long's your wife going to stick around for? <laughs> and as he said. Go back to the boys with this message. If anyone's got a problem with it, they can come back to this door and knock on this door, and the next time they come here, I'll be knocking them out. So no one went back and said But you you have a lovely evening, Dipper. Now, just that leads me on to uh, one of my favourite stories from your time at Sydney. Now, it was either uh, Plugger's honeymoon or Paul Kelly's honeymoon. (laughs) Is it Paul Kelly's honeymoon? Well, look, I've heard about this story, and it's it's an urban myth going around. I would love for one of them to actually come forward and tell us if it was true. I think it was Paul Kelly just got married, and it was his honeymoon, and he went up Darwin fishing... With Plugger. So, <laughs> he went up Darwin fishing. I don't know where the wife was involved, but then the story was as well that they went to a local, had a few too many drinks, and Plugger ended up throwing some bloke down the stairs. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Now, you're obviously uh, a big Adelaide boy. You got married at Adelaide Oval. Yes. How was that? Yeah, that was that was amazing. I, I formed a great relationship with Les Burdett, the curator, one of the best in the world, and... I just asked Les, I said, what are the odds? Could I get married on the Oval? He goes, Fitzy, you can get married on the Oval, but, you know, we have we have ceremonies on the Oval. But he said, you know what, I'll do you one better. And we've never done this before, but you can have your reception up in the Clive Churchill stand. Awesome. And that was back in the old so, days like, before the new stands. hot dogs and chips and yeah. pies and stuff. <laughs> was there chicken salt for everyone? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so we had it there, and they gave us the, the whole place for free. You had the we, thing on the scoreboard? Yeah, scoreboard. So, uh, did you pick the particular part of the ground that you wanted to do it on? Uh, the like Fitzgerald it? flank. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, that's where we had it, which was it was just brilliant. And then we had um, we had little Sharon's made up. That was our wedding gift to everybody, saying Ryan and Belinda's wedding day. We had the date. We said we couldn't have done it without our teammates. That was our little motto. And what we did at ten o'clock at night, they scattered them on the Adelaide Oval. It was dark. We're up in the stand. And then all of a sudden the lights slowly start coming on and you look out the oval and I got on the mic and I said, guys, everyone gets a wedding gift. It's uh, a, a brand new Sharon. Let's get out there and have a kick. No way. Mate, and all the girls, it was amazing. Everyone took their shoes off yeah. and Adelaide Oval. But the funny thing was it got so – there was so many ex-footballers and footballers, <laughs> it got so fucking competitive. Rue ripped about four different shirts. <laughs> Everyone's trying to take a hanger over Mickey O'Loughlin. It was, and people – there was yeah. nearly punch-ups. You did your ACL. <laughs> there, was, there was a nudie run. I had another uh, – we had CCTV footage the week after. Um, the guy called me and said, mate, look, look just I just need to give you the heads up, but there was a there was a couple of the couples. Obviously, there was love in the air because, oh no way! One couple said, "Well, we've got to go christen the Sir Donald Bradman stand." <laughs> <laughs> Sir Don would have been so. There was another raise of the bat that oh, night. Oh mate. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Oh, That's fantastic. All right, mate, it's been absolutely fantastic chatting with you. Can I just quickly, I want to end on your, your big brother year, yeah. you know, the, the, your time in the Big Brother. So you, you'd finished up with uh, the Crows. How quickly after that did you go into big, the Big Brother house? So then went to South Adelaide, went back to South Adelaide, did my knee oh. again. Yep. Did my knee again. The same and, one? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that one was really easy. So that I was really disappointed. That was me just trying to twist it training. And so I was just dejected going, this is not for me. What yeah. do I do? Trying to get back, rehab. So that was, yeah, that you were just, I'm done. And I was about halfway through my rehab. And I, um, uh, my mates went, why don't you just try out for it? Footy's not working for you at the moment. So I put in an audition tape. And then all of a sudden I got a phone call saying, yeah, we want you to go up to the Gold Coast. And so I remember the meeting with Robert Pyman, who was the coach at South Adelaide, and he just couldn't believe it. He said, mate, you're a footballer. You're not a media personality. And I said, well, I said, Pies, it's not working for me, mate. Footy's not working. You know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I've got to do it. And, um, you know, and the rest is history. I, I, I love this job. I just love the radio. I love the media. Yeah. Um, and I look... I actually love that show, even though you sort of cringe sometimes um, when you see what sort of happened afterwards. But I love that show because it gave me opportunities to get into this. It gave me the foot in the door. Well, not so fast, Ryan Fitzgerald, okay? According to Wikipedia. Oh, no. It said you were permitted to wear a T-shirt that was branded with MLS, in brackets, the Massive Losers Squad. That was kind of your tag. That was the thing. Mates. Uh, the T-shirts were being sold while the show was running, and Ryan's friends admitted that a proportion of the profits was going towards voting to keep him in the house, thus giving him oh. an unfair advantage. That was you fucked up, Fitzy. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was complete. We we did. There was a we we trademarked MLS, and there was a there was a stage there where we had seventy thousand dollars in a bank account. Put in firepower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We just bought more shit. <laughs> um, and so we, they didn't pay for voting though. They're lying bricks. They pissed it all up the wall. <laughs> That's a thing. And I then, and I like then we, a proportion of the profits. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the hotel as well. Yeah. And then we had a huge tax bill at the end of it, the idiots. <laughs> and it all went to shit. Oh. That's so cool. Oh, oh. That is fantastic. Oh, thanks, man. This has been awesome. This has been awesome. Yeah, Fitz, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a pleasure going through your, your, your storied history mm. as, a, as a footballer in the AFL. Uh, no, really appreciate it, guys. And now that I've finally come on the show, I'd love to be a regular every week, if that's all right. Well, we're happy with that. <laughs> yeah, you're looking into it. yeah, you've locked yourself in now. <laughs> yeah. We'll hit the road. Thanks, Fitzy. Go Hawks. Go Blues. Go Crows. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.